Good morning, friends. Uh, Pastor Jeff Smith here with First Presbyterian Church in Boone, North Carolina, giving you our streamed broadcast of our message today on Facebook Live. Uh, whether you're a member of our church or a member of our congregation, or even if you're listening in from far away, we welcome you this morning to our broadcast that uh, together we might continue to hear God's word even when we find ourselves separated from one another at this time. For those of you who have not been a part of our congregation and especially with us during the season of Lent, uh, today we continue our sermon series on Jesus's last words um, from the cross of Christ. And so we continue that today with the fourth word from Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so as we take a moment to prepare our hearts for the reading of God's word this day, let us bow our heads in prayer and ask God's blessing. Let us pray. Holy God, we know that even though we're not in the same space, that you are connecting us together by your spirit. We give you thanks for technology that allows us to be present with one another. Technology that allows us to continue to worship together. And God, we pray that you would continue to be with each and every one of us as we seek to be faithful in our service to you, as we seek to care for one another, especially during this time. And we pray, O oh God, that you would bless those, Lord, who are sick, that you would put your healing hands upon them. We pray for our medical professionals and healthcare workers, that you would protect them that you would give them the energy and strength to do their jobs well, to care for those, Lord, who are ill. Father, we ask your blessing on our time today. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your word, that you would speak to us and meet us where we are, that together we might be faithful as we seek to follow you in all that we do. For we ask these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and let all of God's children joyfully say, Amen. Amen. Friends, our first scripture reading today comes to us from Psalm 22. This is the psalm that Jesus quotes from the cross. So hear now from God's word. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the cries of my anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer, by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths wide against me. 
I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It is melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship, and all who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Friends, our second scripture reading this morning comes to us from Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 33 through verse 39. Here now from God's word. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. Loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why? I've heard that question more times than I can count. Why? Being a pastor is a sacred privilege because you're not just a preacher who teaches the word of God to your congregation. You're a pastor. You're a caregiver, present in times of crisis and hurt. And there's no doubt that I prefer celebrating joyous occasions with our family of faith But the reality of life is that our lives do not remain in a constant state of happiness. At some point or another, we will experience pain, suffering, 
loneliness, sickness, hostility, anger, and heartache. It's in those moments, those sacred spaces, that I'm invited to be present as a representative of God. And often in these moments, I get asked the hardest question, why? Why did that gang murder my son? Why did my daughter die in that car accident? Why did God let my daughter kill herself? Why? I have to be honest with you. I don't know the answer to that question. And I'm afraid I never have. And quite honestly, I don't think that I ever will. I could study the Bible my whole life and still come up short on the answers to why bad things happen to us. But asking why is completely normal. Because we want to know why things happen the way that they do. And we know that cliche statements like everything happens for a reason or God needed another angel in heaven, they are not sufficient answers, nor do they make us feel any better. And so our psalm today reminds us of the depths of human pain that we cry from our hearts when tragedy befalls us. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me, God? I cry out, but you're not listening to me. I cry out during the day, and you do not answer, and even at night, but you refuse to respond. Where are you, God? It appears that God has turned a deaf ear, and even a blind eye to the pain the psalmist experiences. He doesn't offer praise or adoration to God. Rather, he cries out in agony, wondering why God has abandoned him. You and I know what's that what's that's like, don't we? On September 11th, 2001, America suffered its greatest loss on our home soil. Two American planes hit the twin towers of the World Trade Center. I remember it clearly. I was serving my first church in Bennettsville, South Carolina, when I received a phone call at the church from my pastor's wife, who told us that a plane had hit one of the towers. And so I went home, and I turned on the television only to witness a second plane hitting the other tower. It was numbing to watch everything happening in real time, and then to hear about another plane crashing into the Pentagon, and then another plane crashing into a Pennsylvania field. I remember seeing images of people jumping out of the towers and falling to their death just to escape the excruciating pain of the flames. And as if it couldn't get any worse, then the towers began to fall killing those trapped inside as well as the first responders who had rushed in to help evacuate everyone. People were screaming. They were running as fast as they could to escape the debris that filled the streets and darkened everything in just moments. Over 3,000 people lost their lives that day, and none of them had any idea that September 11th would be their last. Laments filled the news reports. Many people cried out in anger, heartbroken, devastated, afraid, wondering, My God, my God, why have you forsaken us? I had the opportunity to go and to see the 9-11 Memorial Museum while I was visiting New York. While I walked through the museum looking at the different exhibits and items displayed from the wreckage, I realized that I was walking in a graveyard. Inside the museum, I found a room where a slideshow was playing stories about every person who died that day. It showed their photo and gave a brief overview of who they were while a family member narrated a message about their life. I stood on holy ground 
sacred ground as I relive the moments of that horrific day. While we lament the horror of that haunting day, the truth is is there are many more stories of lament in our nation and around the world that take place every single day. The shooting of innocent children in Newtown, Connecticut. The injustice of innocent Syrian people poisoned by chemical warfare at the hands of their own president. Terrorists capturing and killing innocent Christians and Muslims. Children starving to death all over the world from malnutrition and disease. And these are but a few. Some who tragically die are regarded as heroes and have monuments and memorials erected in their memory, while so many more aren't even given a proper burial. We lament. We cry out to God like the psalmist, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like the psalmist, we cry out to God, reminding him that he's been faithful in the past, so why can't he be faithful now? We complain about our situations because we're desperate for help. It feels like God is a million miles away from us and our bodies are wasting away. We feel the pain of suffering, which crushes us both physically and mentally. And our hearts feel like wax melting from the intensity of the flames. We feel like God is slowly killing us. And we wonder why. In our lament, in our shock, we feel broken, like a potsherd and wonder what's left to live for. Do not be a far away, God. In our suffering, we think that if God would just show up, everything would be better. And this is basically what Martha said to Jesus when he didn't arrive in time to heal her brother Lazarus. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have you been there before? Have you uttered similar words to God in frustration and anger? One of the hardest funerals that I've ever had to do actually didn't involve a church member. Rather, it was for my best friend's daughter. His second child, Isabella Grace, was born with trisomy 18. Now, this disease affects one out of every 2,500 pregnancies and most often results in a stillborn birth, and only one in 6,000 result in a live birth. His daughter was born and remained in the neonatal ICU for months. There were many complications along the way, but finally they were able to take her home. She went home for 13 days, but then had to be taken back to the hospital because she wasn't breathing well. And just a few days later, Isabella drew her last breath as her mother held her close. They were devastated and emotionally drained. I had been in conversation with him throughout the pregnancy, praying that God would help her get stronger and be able to live as healthy as she could. They had prayed night and day for God's help, but our prayers weren't answered the way that we had hoped. So I flew to Washington, D.C. to officiate her funeral. The day before the service, we were talking in his living room, and he shared with me that he had had a dream a few days earlier in which he encountered God. He was mad at God for taking his little girl and lashed out at him in anger. He said God told him that he knew his pain and that he wanted to comfort him. In that moment, he was filled with an unexplainable peace. Then God told him that the pain he was feeling was the same pain that God experienced in offering his son on the cross for our sins. In an instant, his heart broke and he felt God's pain for his own son. 
And he woke up realizing that he had been dreaming, but he knew that what had happened in that moment was real. And it's that moment that gave him the strength to struggle through the hurt and to know that God had not abandoned him, but suffered with him. You know, the prophet Isaiah shares God's words to Zion, who cries out, The Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child or show no compassion for the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. You see, God does not abandon or forget us, even when we feel like God is silent and distant from us. Jesus quoted this psalm from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus knows our humanity better than we do. He knows suffering more than all of us, bearing the weight of all our sin. Jesus faced hostility, hatred, anger, anxiety, loneliness, and especially pain as he stared sin in the eye while hanging on the cross for us. Jesus cries out to God just like we do. Most of us understand Jesus' pain and suffering, but we fail to forget is that what my best friend heard firsthand from the Father, that God the Father suffered grief too. While the Father could see the future of Easter, he knew that the Son had to suffer on Good Friday first. Faith in God is not a cure from trouble. Jesus tells us, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. While he was speaking of his own death and foreshadowing his resurrection, we recognize that this holds true for life here and now. We are not spared from trouble or pain. Our lives don't begin with lament and end in praise. Rather, we experience lament and praise at differing times in our lives. Agony and adoration are inseparable in this world. We may prefer to celebrate the empty tomb on Easter Sunday by skipping Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday altogether. But the truth is, is that we can't understand the goodness of God's faithfulness, the depths of God's redemption, nor the triumph without the tragedy. Good news is that God is present even when we fail to recognize it. You see, while our laments are lonely, we are not alone. While we may feel completely helpless, we are not completely hopeless. Some moment in our lives... We will all find ourselves asking God, why? And while we desire an answer to this difficult question in life, there's no answer that will make us feel any better. In fact, the psalmist never got an answer to that question in his lament. And I don't know what happened, and I don't know how long it took, but the psalmist changes his tone in verse 22. We're not privy to know exactly what transpired, or what God did that turned his lament into praise, but we see that his agony was turned into adoration. He says, I will declare your name to my people in the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. The psalmist's lament doesn't end in pain. 
but in praise. You know, my best friend and his wife continue to struggle with the death of their daughter, but God hasn't abandoned them. God blessed them with another daughter who's as healthy as can be. Their lament, their pain, their hurt has been met by God's comfort and by God's faithfulness. And I know that they would be the first to declare to you that he has done it. Friends, there's much uncertainty around us at this moment in time. The coronavirus is impacting us in so many ways. Fear, anxiety, separation from one another, economic collapse, and sickness are the news headlines each day. It's quite depressing to turn on the TV. Many of us are carrying hurts, pain, anger, frustration, and even lament. Many of us wonder where God is and if he's abandoned us. Despite our pain and our suffering, we find the good news of the gospel, that our God chooses to suffer with us, to become one of us, and to experience the pain and suffering of this world on our behalf. You see, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, and yet who promises to never forsake us in our greatest time of need. We may never get an answer to why our limit has happened on this side of heaven, but we can be rest assured that God longs and promises to turn our agony into adoration in due time. Indeed, the prophet Isaiah reminds God's people when they lived in exile, feeling abandoned by God, that God had not forgotten them and that they would be delivered, saying to them, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. Friends, good news found in Jesus. You see, these are the same words that Jesus uttered as he read the Isaiah scroll in the synagogue. He had come to fulfill it. We are promised a garland instead of ashes, gladness instead of mourning, praise instead of a faint spirit. You will no longer feel like a stump cut off and left to die, but will be a great oak thriving to display God's glory. To all who lament, to all who will lament, believe the good news of the hope that we have from our God who is faithful and who is with us, that our laments will only last for a moment, but God's redemptive praise will last for a lifetime. We all experience this as God offers us his comfort and grace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Lord. Amen. Friends, God bless you. Until we meet again.